Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Upon Further Review. This is episode 42, The Birth of a Nation 1915, a romantic story about the South and how they hope it will rise again with the tyranny of the North and Black America. Jonesy and I are going to be getting into this shitstorm shortly, so stick around and enjoy the show. All right. Hey, Jonesy. What up, motherfucker? What is going on? So, Birth of a Nation, man. Oh, yeah. The f- film that's credited as being the the start to American cinema. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I gave birth through this whole process. Oh, I, I mean, felt I'm like it takes lie. as long as a long birth. Jesus Christ. I was just... You know what the worst part is? Is because they have this on, <laughs> on YouTube. And when you type in birth of, I just got a bunch of fucking vaginas. Oh. With heads getting thrown out with placenta, uh, there was a bit of me that was just like, well, maybe I just just watch one, you know. But I, I couldn't. It kind of had this. I would have the same visceral reaction to it than uh, this film. Like, uh, uh, uh. It was angry. So just you know, a quick sentence recap of your reflections on it, and then we'll just dig into this. Um, like I, overarching feeling. Wow. Uh, I don't know. It's hard for it's hard for me to give it like one sentence, but I guess all right. I get it. That's all I can really say because I didn't connect in much. I didn't connect to anything really. So uh, my um, statement or my short statement of this uh, was what I literally said out loud by myself. How drunk were you? I wasn't actually. Oh bummer. Um, but two hours into it, here's what I said. Oh. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much what I think of this film. Oh. Because that's when the that's when the sheets came out, which we'll get into that. We can right. start from the, the beginning. Of the kind but of that's cruising literally in when just... they were all dressed up, I was like, Oh, oh no. Oh dear. <laughs> and I was in it at yeah. that point. And it <laughs> so took two you were hours. you were like, finally some I'll... shit's about to go down. It's like you don't want to look at a car crash, but you have but you to. have to. You have to see how fucked up that car is. Yeah, I can so see I was that. excited, and that was. It took two hours, two horrible wow. hours, but that last hour, I was a hundred percent dialed into this movie because I was like mortified, delighted, <laughs> intrigued. Felt super bad for any minority that happened to watch this watch film. This film. Yeah, <laughs> like, Although you know, it's kind of interesting. It's nice to see that it's, it's almost like a, a what do they call it? A time capsule, right? Yeah. Like, oh, totally. It's really interesting to see kind of like the not all the point of views were like that. <laughs> right. Hopefully not. You know. Well, most of them weren't because he was criticized back then. But I mean, it was it was oscillated, True. right? Like well, Woodrow Wilson loved it. S- people loved it. You he know said what the I mean? tragic. Woodrow Wilson allegedly said 
that it was like a shot, something like it was a shot of lightning. He said, it's tragically true. Yeah, exactly. Fuck, that yeah. was our president. Right, but he said that, and then when he got called out on, he's like, I didn't say that. He's like, no, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Who said, wasn't me. Wasn't me. So, but outside outside of that, you know, we you know we grew up in the fucking we were we were, got shoved out of our mom's vaginas in eighties, yeah, right. So then and how and, <laughs> and how, <laughs> um, and basically, how many years is that? Twenty sixty years, give or take sixty five mm-hmm. years of a difference. Like that's a whole grandmother in between that movie and us. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know. And I think at the same time, you get to you get a sense of like how the people were thinking and what the sensibilities were from in the story's perspective. They were trying to figure out and what they wanted to say. I guess. Um, yeah, we which can, that was kind of interesting. Yeah, at the same time, but it is very very interesting. Yeah. Um. And yeah. So the start of it. Yeah. We have. These like North and South friends, BFFs, which was such a short story that did not last the whole. Length well, here's of the, the film. fucked up part though: that story just like it, it kind of was short. It was almost like 35, 40 minutes of right. them just like fawning over each other. Yeah, were they gay? No, I don't. But, I think they were just. It's tough because it's a silent film. So how do you show? How do you show affection without it being like I want to put your dick in my mouth? But at the same time, like, but like when he dies and he lands on his friend with his hand on his cheek, kind of stroking it, it kind of looked like he was going in for a kiss before he died. I I know that wasn't intentional, but I appreciate that. You know, maybe he was. Maybe he was just like, you know what, Dad? I don't care if the North wins. I'm gonna put that guy's dick in my mouth (laughs) because that's what best friends do. That those bitches weren't going to do it. No, those bitches weren't going to have any of it. So now this know. movie, I will say, this movie made me appreciate Charlie Chaplin's films more. Jesus Christ! Because Charlie Chaplin's films, the silent ones, you knew what was going on the, the whole, whole time. time. Yeah. With these, they would be talking. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is happening until like five <laughs> minutes later when a text card would come up. Right. And here's the fucked up part about the text card. Those things were like dissertations totally and i'm like i don't read this fast <laughs> yeah they go to, they went so I fast pause them i was just like okay okay i gotta i gotta read these most of them went like fast and then other ones i, I got conditioned words. to read uh-huh. really quickly mm-hmm. and it was on the screen for a long time i'm like oh <laughs> but then the ones where i'm like God okay damn they, it but then the other ones i'm like shit i don't right. read that fast yeah for me i was just like what the fuck is that word I had to like look up words from the data, <laughs> from from the from the title cards and the paragraph indentation, which was totally mm-hmm. unnecessary for well, the three sentences that we're, we're gonna on it. we're gonna be you know <laughs> we're, we're gonna be grammatically correct <laughs> when we write this. This is MLA format. <laughs> I'm just gonna say MLA. <laughs> yeah, so it was. I found that made me appreciate Charlie Chaplin more because there was more of a purpose. I mean, granted, this was like the film that kind of like figured out so much of cinema, so they don't. A lot of those actors were probably theater actors, and they were mm-hmm. just told to. They're just, all from his theater. Yeah, they're, they're all, all just his, told his to, told to talk, and they didn't really know that. Guess what? Mm. Nobody can fucking read lips, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, because there was a lot of like, blah, 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 like talking, but you have no idea what they're saying. Yeah, and a lot of the gestures and things, I couldn't quite figure out. The last third of the movie, I got the gestures because it was all like action and all right. like intensity. But for the first like two hours, there was times where I'm like, I don't know what's going on, and the right. text cards wouldn't really tell you. It's like anyway, yeah, it's like shit. Yeah. I felt what like it was like a hist- it was like a history lesson kind of, but a skewed one. 
totally. Well, so it's similar to Gone with the Wind uh-huh. in the in the way that this is definitely a romantic story told through the eyes of the South, right? Um, and what's also with Gone with the Wind is this movie was like the highest gross. I mean, it was one of the first movies. It made ten million dollars off uh-huh. of a budget of one hundred and ten thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. The original budget was forty. But it went to 110,000 and made 10 Makes million. Sense. Right. But that was the highest grossing film until Gone with the Wind came out. I heard that when D.W. Griffith told his brother, he was just like, I'm going to make this fucking epic movie. It's going to cost me $40,000. His brother was just like, You shit me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, That's it. And that, how the hell are we going to do you that? A Rockefeller. Yeah, we're like, Where are we going to get that type of movie? <laughs> you know what I mean? And like these days, we're like, $100 million yeah. for a fucking movie. This was like $40,000 back then. Yeah, but. So, it, so the budget. Escalated to 110 or something. 110. Like that. Yeah. But how much did it make back though? It made 10 million dollars. Jesus Christ! And in fact, he ran out of mo- the money. Rolling <laughs> the money. The the writer of the script, he was supposed to pay him a certain amount, and he ran out of money. So he only uh-huh. paid him like a fourth ish, uh-huh. and he he like tried to get him like to make up for it get a percentage of the film, and uh-huh. he was against it at first. He wanted his full money, but this movie made him like. Super Way wealthy. more money, huh? Yeah, wow. so it was like kind of one of the first like equity, or you know yeah, how a lot of actors yeah, yeah. do that now, where it's mm-hmm. like I'll take less in the front to get a lot in the back, and that's how Johnny Depp's bought how many islands at this point from <laughs> pirates movies, right, right. But um, it's definitely a romantic view from the south, right. and from like you watch it, and it. I don't want to say I get it, but mm-hmm. the fact is they live this wonderful luxurious life of right. wealth of being proper there's still that southern charm and that mm-hmm. southern hospitality and this like you hold yourself to a higher esteem mm-hmm. and then you have the the north coming in and you lose the war and part of losing the war is you fucking lose everything you right. lose your lifestyle you lose your way of living in some weird way though that's where i think the story is kind of skewed that's where it gets skewed. you know what i mean Cause i'm not making an excuse whatsoever right, right. but i'm saying that from their point that's why with scarlett o'hara she was just this victim her family right. was this victim it's like how many of these people in the field were right. victims i mean even at the beginning they're like let's go look at the slaves look at them dance for us i was about to say like, like look at this pop and like, locking we're, we're nice white people dance for me you know? Yeah, and oh, and in the film, those slaves were so happy to see those white people. Oh, I know. They were just like, "Oh my God, masses here! Like, let's do <laughs> some popping and locking." Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like going to the fucking park with a loaf of bread. It's you like know what, go- I mean? it's what it fucking seemed like. And I was like, Jesus Christ! No, you know what it's like? It's going to Venice Beach and watching the street performers. Like, <laughs> oh, you want me to dance for you? Yeah, exactly. You know, that's exactly what it is. But right. I mean, we know that mm-hmm. those people weren't super happy to be slaves. Did you ever think? in some weird way that like those guys that were the slaves in the movie because there was a couple you know obviously back then the the ones was, that weren't in blackface like the legitimate <laughs> African Americans that were there yeah. like they weren't that far out of the woods in the slavery era no, so I'm kind of curious like it was like what 50 years after I think some of was, those guys were like 60 years yeah. old so well I'm they, saying it was 50 years since the civil war ended right yeah. so my point though like some of those guys were 60 70 years old you yeah. know what I mean it's like doing a world war two movie right now with a you know but were the, they slaves back then because this is in California I mean well probably not here per yeah. se but I mean <laughs> at some point you know but you'd think they're being like oh this is kind of fucked they at up le- <laughs> at the very least they lived through yeah through whatever and they were was. aware of all this stuff that exactly happened. if i was a black man back then i'd literally be like you want me to do what yeah fuck you fuck you yeah seriously I'm oh like, you want to pay me to 
put myself down. Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck you. Here's the irony, though, is that you were talking about the the writer getting points and all that type mm. of stuff. D.W. Griffith didn't have enough money to pay out their main actors because he said uh, he basically wanted to pay out the uh, the the extras. Mm. So he paid each extra five dollars a day. Which back then is actually Pretty a good. decent wage, yeah. you know. So they all got paid. I mean, so from what the you know from what they say, they all got paid five dollars a day. So the actors um, ended up taking taking less, you sure, know, taking a lot less. But they got equity. But they now, got yeah. yeah. Some of them got and they were um, they were saying that like he he paid back. Like they mm. they took the risk and and he showed up. So I mean, which is a good way. I'm glad indie filmmakers still do that. Yeah, it's pretty much how that goes. I mean, you have to do it to get your vision out there. mm -hmm. So to the point, you know, you have this north south situation kind of going on. You know, I was kind of following it. I'll I'll I was following it along, following along. Okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. I mean, the ultimate thing for me through a story like this is that you just kind of see the raving the how how war tears people apart. Right. I mean, at the very core of what the the story the family was losing two of their kids. Yeah, exactly. Right, losing their kids, and you know they they were young and they wanted to start their family and all that type of shit that was going on. They're putting money in to help fund the war, which Mm -hmm. they lost the war, so they lost all that money. Right. So she was making like that, putting the cotton on the dress (laughs) to make it look better than it was. Which, to be honest with you, I think it ruined the dress in some way. Yeah, it kind of looked like she had whipped cream on it. No, I thought, I'm like, why are you putting dirty tampons on your shirt? I don't understand. Why are you putting spit wads on your shirt? What the hell's the matter with you? <laughs> What's going on? Who's going to like this? Jesus Why Christ. Why are you even trying are to dress up for your brother? That's Mrs. Claus outfit? <laughs> I just didn't understand why you were doing that. Great dress, Sarah Plain and Tall. It was yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> Is she trying to look like a slave? <laughs> There's a bit of me that was just like, mm, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so to the to the moment where like the South actually lost, and then you know there there was people. It was, I think, what the movie was trying to do, in my opinion, and this is probably why people, you know, like slavery. Look at anybody who's listened to this goddamn podcast. We we are not soliciting the idea that slavery was amazing. We get it; it was horrible. Let's move on from that. Okay. Yeah. This idea for this movie, though, was a it was coming at it from the white perspective of like the how white South the white South perspective on how they had to deal with the situation. Yeah, we always see movies from the perspective of the of the slave, you know, which in all do right like, because that's the truth. That's the truth, right? Exactly. But no one ever does a movie about. Well, the other side of all this stuff, mm-hmm. like you got to keep in mind in perspective, like these white Southerners, they played by the book. Yeah. I mean, they weren't the greatest or whatever, but. Well, it's anthropology, right? Like mm-hmm. in different societies, you have different ethics and different right. morals mm-hmm. and whether or not that's good ethics or not. It depends looking from the outside versus being inside where you don't know any better. Right. You know, kind of to your point. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I remember. So they're college- like, we're we're just kind of doing like yeah. we're playing by the fucking rules that are given to us. Uh, you know, all the other shit that happens in the plantations and all that shit. You know what? Whatever. But we're playing by the rules based on our government law right now. We can do all this stuff, and my business and my livelihood is built on this structure. Mm-hmm. What happens when that thing decays? What happens when what, that is ripped away from you? Us? What? How am I gonna? You know, what yeah. is my whole scenario? You know, what what is gonna happen with me? So then you have that that white southerner perspective. Um, as it goes through the rest of the story, obviously, I don't agree with with the other yeah. half of the movie, but. 
he basically made a movie for the white guy on the other side of yeah. this thing. You know, Don't I mean? feeling disenfranchised. Exactly. Which, I mean, to be honest with yeah. you, yeah, it's 1915, and uh-huh. a lot has changed since then, but a lot has stayed the same. That's the crazy thing to me, watching by the this, way. Yeah, watching this, all I could think about was people back where I grew up in the Midwest who truly, to this day, believe white culture is being threatened. Jesus Because Christ. of diversity and affirmative action, they see that they think... That white culture, because of this, because which is weird, because those same people don't believe white privilege exists, but yet, but yet, which this seems conflicting. I don't. If someone out there can explain how this isn't in conflicting thoughts, please tell me. But they think white privilege doesn't exist, but they think white culture is being threatened because the jobs that white people would dominate are being taken away for diversity and stuff like that. So it's so, but I'm like, how do those two exist in the same brain? Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. I'd figure if you feel like the dot white dominated marketplace is being quote unquote threatened by diversity, then aren't you acknowledging that white privilege exists? Yeah. Like that is a That's complete hypocritic statement. Dominant and privilege are like the same thing in this case. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't understand how, but that's well, the that, thing. That same mentality right now is I think the issue, right? Like yeah. you it's have diversity political taking stuff. away from white jobs. Yep. Like they guess took what, motherfuckers? There's no white jobs. Yeah. There's just jobs. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's it's the this, interesting thing to me. Because yeah. So that mindset is uh-huh. like, oh, they're taking, they're taking our jobs away. You know, like, like they're the not, Mexicans are taking yeah. our jobs away. Listen, motherfucker, you mean to tell me that you want to go bend over backwards to go pick up fucking strawberries so you can pick <laughs> them up at fucking Trader Joe's yeah. for two ninety nine a box? Yeah. No, you're not going to do that because you're white and you probably want something a little bit different. Let them fucking have the job. Yeah. They're not taking it away from you. You don't want to fucking do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, give him that opportunity. But even even look at like white collar jobs. They're the system. The, the, there's systematic racism still in this country, uh-huh. and it's institutional. It's just ingrained in there because that's how this country and society started. Right. And yeah, you know what? I'll be honest. I'll put this on the record. Affirmative action sucks. However, the system how it used to be sucks even more, even worse. <laughs> yeah. So it's like until. We start hiring people based on their specific merits once there's an even playing field in our country for everybody. Right. And you don't have certain segregated areas that are hurting because mm-hmm. they're not getting the funding like these wonderful white picket fence areas get funding. And once there's an even playing field and people start getting hired based on that, yeah. that everyone has literally has equal chance that they don't have right now. Right. We need affirmative action. Like to it, a point, yeah. I mean, know, I think the I think the argument comes to like we need affirmative action to kind of force some of that stuff. But I think at the same time, then they're then the white people are just like, well, what the fuck, man? That's like, that's the I'm thing. doing the work too yeah. here. You know what I mean? And like, I can see. And that's I mean, the trust me, part. I'm a this I'm a white weird. male writer in Southern California. We're never gonna get jobs. Like, I need to <laughs> I need to partner and strategize and work with people in diversity for me to get a job. I mean, right, it's the right, right thing to do. But also, if I want to continue having this career, then that's sure. something I have to do. So I get it. But I think the thing that frustrates me the most out of all this whole conversation is like that you you feel like you have to do that in order to get the leg up you know what i mean like you have well to get work exactly and at the same time i'm just like could it just why does it have to be like that i think for me in a perfect world it's just you don't even think about that that's the thing that's how it should be you don't think about it and it's just like the best person for the job or the you know what i mean but then we but see we acknowledge that's personally how we think but we also have to acknowledge that that's not how other job like people who give out jobs or things right. like that that's not necessarily right. how they look 
at sure. things. Sure, so sure. just because like I could give two shits, right? You know who my friends are, who my business partners are, who like I could give two shits right. about their ethnicity or whatever. But other people in power do give a shit. So right. it's like you know you kind of have to. But so it's interesting. It's a delicate this. balance, and I think it the is. thing that people have to remember and is it's not that, perfect. No, and we, the thing that I think people have to remember is that we are not that far out of the woods. No, you know what I'm saying. I mean, think like, about other cultures and other societies. We're like a little over 200 years old. Well, not only that, man. I'm just talking about as a like as a planet. Oh yeah. Dude, we are not that far out of the woods. Yeah. You oh, know, no. like a couple of thousand years, you know, we, we started, you know, all the all the shit and government and, you know, whatever, um, to the point where this shit's going to take a lot of time. I don't even know if we're going to see it in our lifetime. I, I hope over the years, I, hope we do. I, I feel that it's pushing in that direction, mm-hmm. but it takes time. Yeah. And the interesting thing for me is like when you look at a movie like The Birth of a Nation, right? It's interesting because you under like the idea of the butterfly effect. Totally. Right? So you have you totally. have DW Griffith that came in because of regulations and restrictions and not be able to have African Americans play leading roles in cinema. He had to use blackface. Blackface and and white actors. And because of that regulation, other movies on the predicate of that idea, how to do the same exact mm. things that they're going to, and obviously other, you know, other things kind of came through, like when the jazz singer came in and those types of things, you know, those, those things were kind of pushed. Um, the, the boundaries are pushed a little yeah. bit more and the boundaries got pushed a little well, bit even more. This but it's just film, so slow. Yeah. Even this process. film, the reaction to, to, to this inspired a lot of African-Americans to make their own films, which is great, which is great. But because right. they were so offended by this film, they're like, you know what? We can't, and you know what? And here's the thing. Like, I think, if, you know, if you look at D.W. Griffith creating a movie like this, I don't think he came at it just to piss people off. Like, I think he, I don't think he thinks. No, he was genuinely hurt that people found this racist. <laughs> which is kind of interesting to me, but at the same time. <laughs> it really is, because it's. Which is kind of, wow. I don't know. I mean, so to to the end, like, he made this movie because his dad ended up. Was he a Confederate soldier? Uh, exactly. Yeah. And he was hearing all these stories yeah. of his, you know, of his dad and the war and the way that it was it. And that they were the in the right in the right mindset and what have you. And his dad died when he was ten. So that's all he knew at that yeah. point, right? Like he didn't get to hear these stories as an adult and really understand them from he a bigger still perspective. Had this hero image of his exactly. Father. So then he wanted to share that story. Mm-hmm. So it made sense why he makes this film, yeah. right? And because it is kind of a love story to the South a little bit. Oh, hundred percent, right? I mean, to, listen to the music. Kind of I going know. back, you know, I was I was re-listening to our Godfather podcast, and you're talking uh-huh. about how the music was so iconic and. Watching this movie and it being silent, you're forced to list really the music really stands out a lot more outside of the right. noise because there isn't any other noise. Right, and you just it's you really are reminded just how influential music is towards like who the hero was, who right. the villain was. Mm-hmm. I mean, whenever anybody well, in the South, it was just so happy. But when the North came, it was like, it's like yeah. you know, those tense violins mm-hmm. just kind of like, oh, what's the North Well, every do? every character, every main character in this had their own, had their music. own theme, which, which I thought is good, was really cool. Honestly, some of those white dudes looked fucking exactly the same. So it was nice to have their it's own. It's like, oh, that guy has strings. Got it. Especially at the end with the guy in the cabin and then the other guy leading the Ku Klux Klan. I'm like, I could have sworn they were the same guy. Right. They both had. Dude, I had a hard time just following everybody. Totally. I, I mean, that's just me. But well, I'm, plus with even the way they restored it, it's super washed out where mm-hmm. you can't. And obviously, then it wasn't the 
cinematography wasn't what it is today. So kind of sorry, white people, but all you look alike to me in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yeah, how about that? Huh? I'm gonna mark you with a pet with a sharpie. Yeah, to exactly. keep track, like on right. the office. X on your forehead. So. <laughs> Circle for you. Can one of you just have a mustache and not? I don't. I can't do both. Of you having mustaches. I, that's yeah, right. It's like you both look like you just robbed a train. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. They're that. the ones that tie the women up in the train tracks. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I mean, for me, the this movie. I mean, we could it's talk to you here. It, it, it's tough to get through. Because even when I announced on Twitter that we were doing this, someone's like, why the fuck are you going to do a racist movie? Because it's on the list, motherfucker. That's yeah. why we're doing it. And that's what initially I said. But then when I watched it, by the end of it, I'm like, there's a reason. Like, yeah, there's a there's a giant reason. And here's the funny part, because as you probably did the same thing I did, I watched the movie and I was like, why is this on the list? Yeah. Why is this film on the AFI's top 100? It's not because of content. Nope. I don't believe it's because of content. It's not because of the acting. Not because of the acting. So then you have to kind of dig a little bit and, and think outside of why is this on the fucking mm-hmm. thing? And for me, you know, there was a lot of DW Griffith came into this. This is one of the first big blockbusters yeah. that Hollywood has ever made. 1915 made $10 million, you know, out of $100,000, million, $100, or whatever um and the amount of technical aspects that were created in order to create this type of film like everything that we do like the grammar of film is created because of this movie Uh right and can you 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 can speak better than i can about the camera techniques because you know that and that's not my world well uh, yeah the panning the panning the the the, the dollies the the zooming the the the, like they basically invented the close-up for this damn um this movie mm. right uh they did rack focusing all that type of stuff do you think was someone riding a horse with a camera w- recording the guys in the clan that were because i couldn't figure that or were they were they do you think they were in a carriage or something uh, you know because i don't know how big those cameras were back then but they were it was like they were hefty dude but I, that's what i figured they were, so they probably were like at least 75 probably in a carriage right had to be yeah, it had to be something like a carriage of some form that they were um, that they were basically because I thought that shot to. was interesting. Where it was yeah, they like, put uh, they put a bunch of sandbags down and just kind of tighten it. Gotcha. You know, put it all down on the on the actual contraption. So through that, the cinematic elements outside of okay, so like just camera so techniques. To, yeah, camera techniques alone. It Secondly, has to be on the list. Editing techniques. Editing techniques that weren't even used yet, like parallel action, right? So basically parallel action is when two things are happening in different places, and yet you're cutting back and forth, back and forth gotcha. to them as they're okay. moving towards the same space. Yeah. Parallel action is created in, in, in this type of thing. We, we got a, the, the last scene at the cabin, right? We got, we got the gunfight going on over at the cabin, and then we have the shots of, in of the, city. the, in the Yeah, and then the Ku Klux Klan is coming, yeah. right? They're, they're riding through. And then we're building up to the moment, building up to the moment. So then now you get thematic pacing throughout a, throughout cinema, right? And now you have an opportunity for for people to get engaged a little bit more deeply. Yeah. And there's like excitement's building up because of the. Then you have music that's being played, right? The music is interesting because when they actually showed this film in theaters, they did it with the with a full orchestra. Interesting. They did it with a giant full the the Philharmon like the full Philharmonic type of orchestra. Did they do that in L.A. or uh, they did it in ten cities? So when wow. they first released it out, you were getting a full three and a half hour experience with a live orchestra wow. playing that stuff. Yeah. So, um, 
that's a that's an experience yeah man. like totally. i would in some crazy way like i would love to go see stuff like, and they do stuff like that now like you can go see yeah. uh you know the uh, la the, the, the hollywood bowl the hollywood bowl they'll do uh, back to the future uh-huh. with the orchestra you which know would be I mean? which would be fucking awesome they did i think the last one they just did was um Little Mermaid. Oh, really? They did Little Mermaid, and I guess what's her name? Uh, Wilson, the the chubby one from uh, Rebel Wilson. Rebel Wilson. Yeah, she went and she sang the uh, uh, Ursula song. I killed it, dude. Yeah. She absolutely killed it. I'm like, that's fucking cool, man. And so the, he was doing that type of stuff right from the get go. Mm, you know, making it an experience, making it an experience for people. You know, the big blockbuster experience. And that's I. To be honest, I think that's why people really absolutely came to it because. You're you're coming at it. It was a night at the theater. Exactly. What I always thought though was kind of interesting, <laughs> moreover, was that you have these people that there was no trailers back then. No. There was no trailers. You just kinda you went to the theaters back then and you saw a movie poster and then you're like, Yeah, I wanna go see that one. <laughs> and even moreover, the movies that were being done back then were were basically Nickelodeons. So you're you know, you pay a nickel and you basically get kind of a burlesque show. This was two dollars a ticket. Was it? Uh-huh. Wow. Which in, in Inflation now at seventeen to twenty dollars a ticket. So I mean, it makes sense. So exactly. So you're basically going to to a theater show, an, yeah. an opera. Or but back whatever. then it was expensive for this type of thing because it used to be the nickel shows, right? And that's but my this point. One was this one was exactly. This expensive. is where you now now you're taking away from the Nickelodeons and then you're moving into already an actual cinematic expe- yep, experience. 100%. And it, it's funny too because if you think about history, right? We we've gone from the Nickelodeons or whatever. First of all, we got from just people videoing a train coming in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. We, we went from... Which blew people's minds. Just, they th- they threw up because it was so nauseating. Yeah. It feels like... <laughs> so, so then you have... So, so then you move into creating actual narratives. And then the Nickelodeon started coming out. And then now you move into an experience. Mm-hmm. And guess what? That shit's repeating itself right now. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Because... Now you have, you know, movies kind of hit a hit a lull, and then now you have 3D and 4D and Atmos sound, and now it's becoming more of an experience. And now you can go to a fucking, you know, a Cenopolis and get drinks and yeah. dine in, and now it's more of an experience. And yeah, you know, it, it grows over time, uh-huh. right? Um, so so this film is really interesting to me because because you don't have trailers, yeah. People that just went in to watch this movie, like, had no idea what they were getting into. No idea what they were getting into. And that to me is kind of funny. Right. Right. So they're basically jumping in there, watching this movie, and being like, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and the Ku Klux Klan basically gets invented and rises up. And, you know, especially with that title card saying how righteous they were Uh and all the shit and about the tyranny of the carpetbaggers in black America. Mm -hmm. It's like, whoa. Wow. I hope when we leave here, we don't see anybody we know, honey. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like... Did you go see Birth Nope. 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 No, I didn't. No. I do not not subscribe to that type of film. Um, (laughs) Who told you that? Was it Gary? Gary is a liar. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's a good point. They had no they idea had what no they're idea what they're getting into, man. And I was just like, wow, that's interesting. So, coming back to uh, the the reason why it's on this list, if you take all those elements, right? It's, it's it, cinematic. It's, your, it's, it's cinematic, it's right? It's cinematic. Well, and in some in some form or fashion, it is. It is. There is a narrative. You should say it's not the content, right? And I. 
here's a here's one of the first movies that come out and there's a point of view that's sure. happening. Yeah. Right? Oh, a very distinct a very point distinct of view. point of view. And this is what I love. And and what's it, it feels a little Harvey Weinstein to me, if you think about it. Harvey Weinstein has has he had a quote basically saying, like, you want to make a movie successful, create some sort of chaos around it. Oh, for sure. Right? So then people are just like, Well, maybe I don't agree with it, but I I gotta be I gotta figure out what everybody's talking about. So yeah. they're gonna go and flock to the theaters. And that's fucking what D.W. Griffith did for the first fucking time in cinematic history, right? The, the fucking, the, the, the baby step into what cinema is today right, right now in 2016 that was a from 1950. That wasn't even years a baby ago. step. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if you think about it, it's 100 years ago. Like straight oh, totally. up, 100 years straight ago up. almost. And to where it was then, to where it is now, you have this You have this director that said, you know what, I have a point of view. I'm going to make this film, um, and I'm just going to throw it out there. And so for me, it makes sense why he was just like, wait, whoa, whoa, you guys don't like this? Like, yeah. this is my point of view of what I'm trying to give you. But I think what he wanted more is, is that he wanted to start the conversation. Yeah. Because there wasn't anything until, th- until this movie that really sparked a conversation Right, sure. and so I'm like, well, if you if you think about the history of all this stuff, it deserves to be on the list. Yeah, oh, in 100%. my opinion. Yeah, you know, well, a lot. I mean, we talk about this a lot. A lot of these films kind of paved the way for a lot of stuff, and this paved the way more than a lot of the shit we've seen. Mm-hmm. You know, a hundred percent has paved the way in stuff where there's a few movies we watch where like I have no idea why it's on here <laughs> you know like the searchers of all the John Wayne movies I have no idea why this one is on there <laughs> out of all the westerns out of all the westerns and if you haven't heard about the searchers go listen to it yeah. we, we we got our we got a point of view we do. <laughs> we do and it's co- not controversial yeah, not co- <laughs> but you know this this Pave the way for how to make a film exactly. and how to tell a story. And if you think about it, they built they built the financial model mm. to oh. make like ultimately. If you fucking think about it, D.W. Griffith came in and he was like the first real Hollywood director. He moved his production from New, from 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 the East Coast to Hollywood mm-hmm. to kind of create this suit to create Hollywood. He was one of the, he was the creator of one of the first studios. He partnered with the guy that fucking did Paramount. I was going to say that was one of the investors and without this movie, Paramount wouldn't be a thing. Exactly. And that's my point. There's so much history mm. behind creating this type of thing that a lot of Hollywood was built off of this kind of talking about the butterfly effect. Mm-hmm. This funded and just blew, blew up Hollywood. Up. Yeah. So, and so when he did like his next films and stuff, like he had a model uh-huh. and it worked. And the, you know the the sets got bigger and bigger and bigger. Like mm-hmm. it's the first model for big Hollywood studios 100%. right 100%. out of the gate. And it started from independent roots, which mm-hmm. I think is which I think is great. Well, yeah. I mean, you look at how he raised the money and the amount of money he had and how he compensated people and mm-hmm. with equity and everything. And that's what independent films do today. Exactly. And that's how successfully, it <laughs> you so. know, and so I, I get it. And, you know, but you look at it and people are like, yes, it's racist. Um, but another thing you have to understand about the South is, OK, the South, the Civil War stuff is infinitely fascinating because it's when the South lost, they did something that no other loser in, in a war has ever done. So you know how they say that, like, history is written by the victors. Right. That's, like, a a well-known quote. Because it makes sense. It's like, of course, the victors are going to be the good guys in all the stories. Right. This Because um, the Confederates didn't want to be seen as the bad guys. 
they made an organized effort with the historians and they went back and they totally revised like official documents. They destroyed oh, original I heard copies. Something about that. They totally yeah. So even to this day, Pew the Pew Center or whatever, they did um they they interviewed fifteen hundred people last year and a vast majority of them, fifty or forty eight percent of them say they believe that the Civil War was about state rights. <gasps> And wow. but so, so and honestly, that's in textbooks. I grew up in Michigan. That was in my textbook when right. I was a junior in high school. They taught us that. Yeah, some like my history teacher said. You know, a lot of people say that it was about slavery. That wasn't really initially what it was about. It ended up being about slavery, but it initially was about state rights and what how, how much representation they had in Washington and all this stuff. I was taught that because the revisions they did that so well, it absolutely was about slavery. Right. And if the actual original Confederate document saying for you to be Confederate state, you could not get rid of abolish slavery in your state. You had to have slavery. That was like a deal breaker. Wow. Um, but it was absolutely about that. But and like you look at, uh, let's say, Kentucky. So Kentucky was actually split on whether or not to be a confederate state or not Mm -hmm. so like a good chunk of them fought for the union and a good chunk of them fought for the confederacy but after they revised everything there's like over 40 monuments to confederate soldiers in kentucky because they revised it to make it seem like they were so a a part of this belief so that's so this whole just organized restructuring to not be the bad guys and to not lose some of that pride about why they really were in the right because they were mm-hmm. getting fucked over by the North. They did all of that stuff. And that, so that hopefully that makes sense about why the Confederate flag took so long to come down because a lot of those people were saying, well, it wasn't about slavery. Why? This is part of our heritage. Mm-hmm. Why are you taking this down? Because they were taught, and I was in Michigan, that's about as North as you can get. And yeah. I had that in my textbook. <laughs> so you're talking about people who are you really going to believe an online article? Or are you going to believe the textbook that you learned when you were in elementary school? Right. That was state-regulated textbook. Right, So right. that's why it took so long for this to come down is because a lot of them just genuinely didn't know that that stood for slavery. Wow. You know? And that's why they fought and they were so pissed about it. And they're like, this is what it means to me. And it's like, something that iconic of a symbol, it might mean something different to you, but the root of it is still the same. Right. So it's kind of like saying like, well, I have a swastika because to me it represents um, power and strength and goodness, which is what it was before Hitler took it. Grabbed it. But the thing is... Which is an Indian symbol. Right. Which, but the thing is, it is iconic and set in stone associated with, you know, (laughs) anti-Semitism. So you can't really put that a swastika up and be like, well, this is what it means to me. It's yeah. like, okay, but here's the thing. Yeah. That's not what it universally means anymore. You know? And it's well, just get like, over it, bro. It's like the Confederate flag, yeah. you know, like, dude, I had a, you know, I grew up. So hopefully that makes sense to listeners and hopefully they're not as hard. I mean, to have to just be patient with people from the South who right. aren't racist, but feel, cause there are a lot that aren't racist, but really felt like that flag was more about you know their heritage. They didn't think that that was racism. So just be patient with them because they were taught something that actually is factually 
incorrect, but it was in their textbook. <laughs> well, it's funny. And it from, kind of bleeds into this, where it's like, right. you know, they didn't think they were in the wrong. You right. know, they all they knew is they had an amazing life. They Like, to your point earlier, they were following the societal rules, and they mm. were just doing fine. They were ethical. They were moral. And now the North comes and takes all of it away from them, and they're like, what the fuck? We didn't do anything wrong. We yeah. know now, looking back, that it was wrong. Most of us do. There's some people that still think that sadly. But for the most part, the general consensus is how that was was wrong. Right. But to, for this movie, to that point of view, it's like they didn't know they were in the wrong. Mm-hmm. They thought the slaves... I mean, look at... In the movie, the slaves were fucking happy as shit. The slaves <laughs> helped them escape right. from the soldiers. They, like, tackled that poor lady, like, <laughs> even, even though it was really a man in, in drag. Um, Don't ruin the illusion, bro. <laughs> but they totally helped right. the fucking slave owners leave because to them, they're just like, well, that's all they knew. So, of course, they loved. We gave them a job. Even they said, like, their two-hour lunch break in this from 6 a.m. to 6, 6 p.m. they work. Right. So they worked them in the fields for 10 hours. But, hey, we're nice to them because we give them a two-hour lunch. Right. Really? So you don't think they're, like, fucking starving by the end of the day? <laughs> but anyway, so it's like... To the point of this, you know, it's totally a romantic view that looking back, we can be like, that was fucked up. But at the time being, they didn't know. Yeah. No. And it makes sense to the, to the, you know, to the director, the, the, uh, the reason why he pointed his perspective towards romanticizing the South. You well, know, like because, you said about his dad. I mean, he's a 10 year old just looking at his dad, who's a hero, who's, who's a hero. the best thing ever that he wants to grow and up who to he be. lost. Who he lost. Right? Probably from wounds from the war. Probably. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, well, of course he's going to, you know, you're going to idolize, you're going to idolize it in some form or fashion. And this is what he chose to do. I just, I feel that, you know, outside of all the, the, the romanticism, you get a good opportunity to basically to give a point of view to the crowd that doesn't really get much Sure. Of a point of view. You're not necessarily, I don't, I don't, I, you're not necessarily pandering. Right. I mean, they're getting point of, you know, the, the way that they got information a lot of times was through, was through newspapers. There wasn't word of t- mouth. Word of mouth. It wasn't TVs back then, you know? And I feel the, the beauty of what D.W. Griffith did, even though I don't agree with his point of view, is that at least he came at it with one. Yeah. And that's all you can really ask, right? As a filmmaker and as, as a storyteller, just have a point of view because there's movies out there right now that I just don't agree with. Totally. Right. But at least they came at it with a point of view. And I, yeah. you know, I applaud DW Griffith for that. Sure. Um, I guess, uh, Sundance, was Sundance or something? I don't know. One of the, one of the big film festivals, they're basically, there's a birth of a nation coming out mm-hmm. in theaters here soon. Uh, Fox searchlight bought it for $17.5 million, wow. which is the highest they've, anyone's ever paid for an independent film to be acquired. Wow. But I don't know if this is your point, but it's kind of under question whether it's going to do well because of the filmmaker. He was accused of raping a woman in college way back in the day. Jesus Christ. And that kind of came to light now that he's in the spotlight. Yeah. And I mean, he also starred in this movie and everything. Uh And he was, I guess he was acquitted or whatever, but a while ago she killed herself. So all of this is just coming back up. So it's like, did he? Because he even said, Ah, he even said, well, but he even said that. um, It's annoying the fuck out of me. In a letter, he said, like, you know, I was a young kid back then. Like, it wasn't, he still says, like, it wasn't rape. But 
you know, how he went about it or whatever. I don't really know necessarily the de- details, but that doesn't. So that so that's kind of the whole thing where it's like it's under question just because of that. Really? Just be it's not well, necessarily. I haven't heard anything about any of that shit. So no, and most people haven't, and they don't know the details, but they just hear that he was accused of it back in the day, uh-huh. and they're like, "Oh, well, never mind." So it's that's like that. Up. It is. It is, and none uh, of us yeah. have an opinion because none of us were there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's tough too to 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 bank the success off of something that is probably really poignant. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. On a on allegation or I mean, if he got acquitted, fuck it. You know what I mean? Like he got off. Mm-hmm. He didn't do it based on our government. He didn't do it. You yeah. Know, with the shifty eyes our... or something. Or you know what? Maybe he did do it. I don't fucking know. But he got acquitted. So, yeah. But we don't know. But you don't know. So don't make assumptions on what what that is based on that alone. I mean, right now it's just really tough. And I know this podcast is not about this scenario, but it's but tough it's something we should talk about when coming it's coming up. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's one of those things where. Here's the thing. We've all been in college, and I'm not – my point of view on this whole scenario, like, I, it sucks that that guy has to go through this, right, to be like, well, this shit's, like, reeling its evil head. Mm-hmm. Um, in, our, in, our, uh, in our presidential – Right, with all this shit that's going on um, based on – I made a fucking film. <laughs> like, make it about the film. Don't make it about yeah. my past, man. Stop bringing this shit up. But people fucking dig and just try to, you know, the trolls that are out there and the just, social justice just, warriors that Jesus want Christ. that want justice for someone who, even regardless that he got off, right? That's but the, they still want like, that justice. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. It's frustrating to me because you weren't there. You weren't. And here's the thing: like, not to, not, not, not to, to, um. Not to applaud any of this shit that's going on, because in all honesty, rape is bad, right? Rape is not good. <laughs> For the record, <laughs> For the record rape is it. not In fact, good. we're very much against it. Right? Um, but at the same point, like college, things like that, you're young, you're, you're kind of understanding your, your body a little bit more, more intimately, you know, you're, uh, you're most of the time when those moments happen, you're probably drunk, Yeah. you know? And I feel like what's, what tends to happen because... I've had friends in these types of situations where not to say that the girl's wrong or the guy's wrong or whatever, but there is a moment where you, you end up getting to a point where like, okay, we're we're hot and heavy and it's, it's, we're having a good time and basically I'm inside you. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the girl says, no, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. By all means stop. Yeah. Right. So there's a line, but then there's moments where I've, I've, um, and this is something that I've experienced when I was in college. A buddy of mine ended up um, getting put in jail for statutory rape, right? And the whole scenario was this: he ended up having sex with his girl. Ended up, you know, she was in, she was in college, by the way, <laughs> just younger in yeah. college or whatever. And uh, the you know everything was going fine. They they ended up having sex. They were tipsy or whatever. The girl woke up the next day regretful. Of doing it. Mm-hmm. And she ended up going to the cops and all that type of shit. And basically he went to jail because of that. Wow. You know, and but now that guy is basically plastered yeah. as a rapist. And I'm just like, fuck, can we please can we can we and Well as a sex offender too, right? Exactly. Yeah. He has every anywhere he goes, he's a fucking sex offender. Uh the tough part about that is it was a you know it was it was a simple thing that ended up happening. It, well, what, is is it the same way that somebody got fucking mugged and then raped in a fucking dark ass alley? No, and you're calling these types of things rape, where I feel at the same point you are 
taking that word and you are be making it become you're you're taking it away from the people that have actually gone That's through the my traumatic issue. episode because it's, it's the boy that cried wolf. Mm. It's like this shit really does happen. Yeah, it's really horrible. There, there needs to be something done about actual rape. But then when you have these certain situations that aren't actually rape. Well, I guess the, the then our society needs to figure out how to redefine whatever that means. Right. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, now, I mean, I've heard this on other podcasts or whatever, but now there's this whole movement where if people are drunk at college and the girl, you know, was a little bit drunk and they they consent or whatever, um, her friends will be like, well, if, if she didn't have a good time or whatever, her friends are like, well, if you were drunk, you weren't totally complicit. Uh-huh. And didn't say no, and you were totally with it. And it's it's touchy. It's touchy it because it really is, and it's ruining a lot of people right now. Yeah, because then and then on the flip side, you have that Stanford asshole who like rapes the girl who she's completely Did unconscious. Out, right. She's completely unconscious. No one would have known except for those two people that came and actually saw it and stopped him. Right. And fucking the judge, because he went to that school, is like, oh, man, prison would have just be too traumatizing for you. So he sentenced him to six months. He, he only, only served three. three. Right. And then there's the fucking the high schoolers that had the party that the girl was passed out drunk. And they were picking her up. They have pictures of it. It was like on Instagram and shit. They're picking her up passing her around raping her jesus and the school hit it like they covered it up because they were like their star football players and things like that and it just would look bad for the school an anonymous hacker hacks into the school gets all the records of all the shit going on and exposed all of it get this so the two guys that were that and that raped the girl that like got in trouble for raping but there was like other dudes that were like fondling and all the shit the two guys one of them served like a year Another one served two, and then they went back to like playing football or whatever. The hacker dude was found guilty, and he could face up to 16 years for hacking. Oh, for doing the, the fucking right, right thing. thing. Wow. But he's going to jail for 16 years. For The school isn't in trouble. Those kids basically got a slap on the wrist for fucking raping a chick. But the guy that whistle blows. But the guy that whistle blows that exposed all of this horror stuff is because his house got raided by the FBI after all of this. Wow. Because like, well, you broke into because it's government because it's school or whatever. It's like, this is our priorities, and you. So you have both of these ends, right? Where it's like. That's why this rape culture will so much, never fucking go away. Right. So much gray area right now. But it's, it's just you have people on the other end. So you have – so it's understandable when you have the people in the middle going, I'm so confused what to believe. Because right. I'm seeing all this horrible shit. But then I'm seeing this stuff being called rape when it's not rape. It's like, mm-hmm. fuck. Like I'm – it's everything's so loud. Yeah. Everything's so noisy. I don't – I don't even know. Like – and, and then you pulled, and so po- it's very, it's yeah, a very polarizing. And then argument. poor girls who literally are raped, but they're like, "Fuck, I don't want my name dragged yeah. in the mud. Mm-hmm. I don't want people being like, well, why did you drink so much?' Or you shouldn't have worn this because what were you expecting? Like, Jesus. who wants to be in that situation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if your house gets robbed, no one goes. Should've were your locked- lights on? Yeah, should have locked the door. Don't don't you realize that when you turn off the lights, robbers are more likely to come to your house, <laughs> right? And you know what? Uh, I mean, what do you expect buying a house? You have a house. That's robbers rob houses. That's what they do. So really, you probably do you regret having a house? You better have insurance. Yeah. It's like, f- that doesn't happen. You'd be like, no. what the fuck is wrong with you? Someone yeah. robbed my house. So it's okay to question like, what were you wearing? How much yeah. do you have to drink? 
You know, were you being flirtatious? Right. What do you expect? How is that okay? But not like if someone gets robbed, you'd be like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's just, it's so, that's why it's never, it's not going to go away for a long time. Now, especially with the way the internet is now, you know, with the, the way information is going to spread super fast. And it just sucks, you know, super fast back. and super skewed. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That is true. And you, you know, you, Somebody's told me this. On the internet, you can find anything that supports your point of view, no matter what mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. Anything. Yep. Right? Well, same thing with 24 hour news channels. It's just, it just, it is what it is. Yeah. So the, the tough part is just, it sucks that a guy that's probably going to make a, that's made a really great, poignant film is already getting kind of castrated a little bit, you totally. know, pun intended. Um, because of just and the only reason it all came up again is because now he's in the spotlight yeah that's fucking sucks man well i hope that guy gets gets everything he needs i i hope that the film is judged on its merits that's what i hope. i have heard both that it's an amazing film and right. i'm glad they brought us very important i've also heard that it sucks well, so i'm but i'm just saying like i want to judge it based on that yeah you yeah. know it's like roman polanski what he did was super not good whatsoever right but you know, if he puts out a film, I would I want to judge the film based on the film, regardless of my personal feelings about Roman Polanski, the person. Right. You know, and same thing with this movie. I want to see it. And if it sucks, I want to think it sucks now, because of is, the film. So my question, do you know that is it based on the original? Is it based no. on the 1915 or is it just it, it's I don't think so. It's because he's the star of it. I mean, it's but it's it's about like slavery. Right. Right. Um, but I don't, I don't even know if it's like point of view, like Wicked. I don't know if it's like that, where it's Got like it. the other side to that to main that story. Same story. I, I mean, I hope so. I hope it is. I do too. I think that'd be great. I, I do too, because I especially with how how skewed they made them in right. that movie, that would be pretty genius. Actually, yeah, <laughs> to be yeah. like, actually, we weren't happy to dance for them. <laughs> right. We didn't dance until we got whipped. Like, right. I would like because that would be a really good angle. Mm-hmm. So for hopefully sure. we'll see what ends so we'll up happening. See. It comes out soon. It comes it does. out. Yeah, so yeah we'll right in time for award it. season. I'm yeah. sure I'll get a screener. Yeah, <laughs> totally right. Well, we'll we'll see it for sure, and we'll yeah. let you guys know, and hopefully we'll tell you guys if you guys are gonna go see it. Well, man, I mean, I don't know how much we're gonna beat this thing over the head here. No, I mean the only other other thing we didn't bring up is how badass the um the cast was. How they got their food. Did you hear this? No. Their craft services was based on what they hunted that day. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, oh, and the other thing, I, I wanted to double check because I didn't really, I put it out there because I looked at it, I researched it this week. Um, I put it out there, but I want to make sure it was Kentucky because um, mm-hmm. I want to make sure like I got the right state. They actually voted not to secede. They actually said that they didn't want to leave the union. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, what did it say? So, um, eventually 90,000 Kentuckians fought for the U.S., and only 35,000 fought for the Confederate States. However, uh, uh, according to historian Thomas Clark, the state now has 72 Confederate monuments and only two Union ones. Oh, shit. Like, this is the kind of, like, revisionist shit that they're doing. But I want, like I said, I wanted to, like, be super specific about that. Right. But other than that, yeah, um, there was a sequel to this. What? Yeah, it was called The Fall of a Nation that came out the next year, but no copies are known to exist, and it's it's a lost film out in the world. Interesting. Um, yeah. Oh, and the Paramount this, has it. You, yeah, they're like <laughs> we're not showing has, anybody we're not showing any thing. of this. It's rated number seven on the twenty five most controversial movies of all time. Nice. Well, according to sense. Entertainment Weekly, I'd really want to check that out because I'm like, what? I mean, I don't know. That's number one. Yeah. Uh, the excessive use of smoke bombs were used to fake more soldiers. Sure. To like hide the fact that it was 
pretty empty field. Um, other than that, yeah, I think that's, I think that's all. I think that's all we need to talk about. <laughs> I think that's it, man. I mean, I, I don't I'm, recommend seeing it. There is an eight minute clip that you found that I'll, I'll put I up. Did. I did. I saw. I would recommend like seeing that Cliff Notes version yeah. of this thing. I mean, if you're if you're a, if you're a cinephile like I am, sure, and you you appreciate history, watch it. Right, because I mean, I think every filmmaker kind of has to struggle through it a little bit because it is. If you are a filmmaker, if you are a cinephile, it is the in, the it's the, the birth, be, the birth. It is yeah. the seed of what of the big tree. It that is, is the alpha there. of American cinema, of cinema in of general. Cinema in general, exactly. So, I mean, because of that purpose, I would say, you yeah. know what, write a passage, do your do your diligence, have your own point of view, go through it. You know what movie I thought it. of when I watched this? What's that? I thought this was the first framework for films like Braveheart. Totally. Where it's yeah, all the, big the struggle, epics, the big struggle until mm-hmm. that one person comes and inspires fucking, this is the Matrix. This is mm-hmm. where the one person finally comes and stands up and organizes everybody. Right. And granted, they're in super creepy sheets with like a burning cross yeah. and all this shit and the blood of a, vi- a female victim or whatever, which I'm like, how is this good? <laughs> like, why that, why'd she jump? Yeah. How did she survive that long? That's what I was thinking. Because I'm just like, how is she still alive down there? That was a gruesome fucking fall. You Dude, would die like, like right away. Face to rock. Like, <laughs> that's basically what happened. And I was just like, you're still breathing, huh? And your face looks good. Yeah, you looked all right. I did it. You, yeah. No rape, but I did it. <laughs> you know? But yeah, she survived a shockingly long time a for lot. that job. It was a t- it was a high jump too. But yeah, the fall, the danger anyway. I felt like the danger was pretty racist too because just because he was black, he wanted to marry her, and just him lurking around was like yeah, it's just kind of creepy. She's yeah. kind of a looky loo. He wasn't really like necessarily dangerous. It did feel like those old cartoons. He's like <laughs> <laughs> like if there was sound in there, yeah. you know. I uh, will say, you know, the first two hours dragged on for freaking ever. Yeah. But the minute that the Ku Klux Klan was born. I was like, oh, shit. I can't wait to watch this because this is going to get awkward. Right. And it super was. But that last hour, the pacing was actually pretty decent. Yeah, because it's all build up. It was that was nothing but build up. But absolutely. Yeah. Like, to the point where the last hour, I was I was in it. Like, the pacing kept me. Whereas mm-hmm. the first, I honestly, I fell asleep um, a couple <laughs> times in the first two hours. And I woke up, I'm like, holy shit, I was only asleep for five minutes? It feels like <laughs> this is, I felt like the first two hours last about five hours. It slogged on, but that last hour, the pacing was pretty decent. Part of it, once again, was the morbid curiosity like, wow, this is so racist. <laughs> this is so, yeah. what's the next yeah. super racist thing they're going to try and spin like they're the good guys? Yeah, right. Because that was fascinating. Like, it was all trying to be just, but even watching it, the actions, I'm like, but that doesn't look just to me. Right. But anyway, yeah, I think that is it. Well, Gary, it was a tough one. It was a tough one, but we did it. But we did do it. it hopefully, was... hopefully you guys and you know. Hopefully, it, if nothing else, it makes you understand why it's still significant and why it's on the list. Yeah, agreed. Um, because it is both of those things. Agreed. What's making you hard? What's making me hard? <gasps> uh, that's a tough one, man. I don't really have anything right now that that, that I'm really stoked with. Um, no, no, not really. I mean, I just I've been watching a lot of uh, Kevin Smith behind the scenes videos from like uh, Chasing Amy and Clerks and Mallrats and all those movies, and I really enjoy watching those. I mean, there. If you guys want to really learn something about good filmmaking and the process and um, 
you know, kind of just just getting a really candid point of view of mm-hmm. how this process goes. I'd recommend watching those because I just, just I've been watching those for some reason, um, but I haven't been, really been watching anything else. That's cool. Yeah, that nothing, is cool. Nothing too crazy though. What about you? Uh, I want to kind of do uh, what's making me hard is also like a shout out. Oh. To uh, the Dose Bros Radio podcast. Ooh, what's up, Dose Bros? <laughs> so they're really entertaining. Um, they, yeah, it's just like a couple of dudes um, in Arizona and Phoenix. Nice. And they just kind of talk I'm about be in just Arizona different. soon. There Maybe you we go. We should meet up with you guys. Huh? Maybe I'm they'll be in Arizona cool. a couple of weeks. Maybe we can jump on. Yeah. What but- type of podcast do they have? Uh, it's more like a comedy podcast where they just have rant, like diff- different topics. There's nice. not it's not necessarily themed as much as just kind of talking about different things and it's really based on kind of their personalities and cool. Yeah. It's really interesting. So it's kind of cool. This, I, I always like finding new, new, new podcasts. podcasts. Totally. And, you know, a lot of my podcasts are, I either find through script notes or through Joe Rogan. He'll always have <laughs> right. people on there that I really find fascinating. Mm-hmm. That I want to hear their stuff. That's how I learned about the, we, the people live, which is a fascinating podcast. Nice. Um, another shout out, another shout out. But uh, but yeah, but th- so this one this one's really interesting. I think I definitely recommend Dose Bros podcast. Dose Bros Radio. Dose Bros Radio. Definitely check it out. Orale, vato. <laughs> awesome. Any plugs? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm just kind of hey Jonesy. You know, if you guys like, uh, I post a lot of stuff about like writing and kind of mm-hmm. industry stuff. Sometimes I'll you know put up a quote or two, or you know maybe a picture of me and my wife. You know, we're going to be going to Nashville this weekend for a wedding. We never, I've never been to Nashville, so I'm really excited about some barbecue. <laughs> it should be really good. Um, a couple of our friends are just longtime friends, just getting married, so mm-hmm. we're really excited about that. But if you guys want to follow, you know, follow some of the stuff that I do there, you guys are more than cool. welcome to. But yeah. I got the at at uh, Periscope and Twitter is the Noah Kinsey Instagram Woo-woo. Noah Kinsey. Hey yo. And for us, for we have UFR podcast for Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, website. It's all a UFR podcast. Find it, find it, love it. Follow. Make sure to subscribe, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. That helps mm-hmm. us out a bunch. Also, the link at the top of both the Twitter and Instagram is for our monthly giveaways. Booyah kasha! This, this week or this month, we have the Superior Spider-Man mm-hmm. poster, which what is pretty we, cool. Yeah, it's actually a really nice poster. It's very cool. But we're gonna have more prizes later. We have DVDs, we have mm-hmm. comic books, we have mm-hmm. a whole bunch of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. So definitely sign up, and once you're in it, you're in it for the long haul. Go tell your friends. Do it. Do it. Do it. All right. That's it. Next week we are doing The Sound of Music. The hills are alive with... I'm not going to do that whole fucking song. But guess what? We go from Ku Klux Klan to some Nazis. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) All right, man. Well, till next time. Till next time. We out. Peace. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.